We're talking about resilience, being resilient in these last days because, honestly, there's, there's, there's probably more pressure in society on, on church people than there ever has been. And we need to be like rubber bands. You've heard the term elasticity. That's the measure of how effective this rubber band is at returning to its given size. I really think it's the job of the enemy to stretch us to a, I'm not going to do it, (laughs) to a breaking point. And we have felt that we have been there so many times. If you've been saved any amount of time, actually, if you've never been saved, you still understand what I'm saying. We're being stretched in these last days days. I I believe this. I believe we have yet to see the price that we're going to have to pay for COVID. I'm not going to sit here and give you all the statistics of of divorce and violence and drug abuse. And and, and now now there's a new drug. It's a horse tranquilizer that they're mixing with fentanyl. And it is Deadly, and they don't, and people don't even know what's in there. They don't know what's in there, uh, and it's spreading everywhere. And they, they're trying to get a hand. Anyway, it's a long story, but there, there's all kinds of depression, loneliness, sickness because people weren't being taken care of during COVID. I mean, we just go on and on and on. The list is getting longer and longer. It's going to be years that we're going to be paying the price. Our children's education is falling behind. So we can go through, we go through a long, long, long list, and uh, there's, there's a price that has to be paid, and we're seeing, they, they say, that, say that every counselor in the country is book solid. It's hard to even find someone who will counsel with you. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just terrible thing. And then we got all this financial mess going on, um, I mean, you, you go to the gas pump, you want to cuss. I mean, it's, I didn't say you did. I, temptation is a funny thing. But the secret to elasticity, and we'll get into this, is being connected. And, and it's appropriate that we, that, we, that we preach this today. I'm talking about small groups. I'm talking about coming to church, being faithful in these things. We need each other. And we need the Lord. But he, listen, when he left, he didn't just say, you know, meet me every hour uh, during the day. He said, gather together as a church. He left a church. He left small. In the first 300 years, they met in people's homes. That was the church. So you know there weren't any really large super mega churches. They would meet. I don't know. There would never be a church maybe even this size the first 300 years. And yet those were the greatest years of the church ever realized. I got to get going. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 8, watch this. We're going to talk about beyond measure, getting beyond measure. 
So let's get to this. For we do not want you to be ignorant. That's one of my pet, pet scriptures. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. This is Paul talking. Which came to us in Asia, Turkey. That we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. This, this scripture has always gotten me. He said, yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Ooh, glory to God. There's some powerful scripture right there. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Let's read this in the Passion Translation. Whoa. Brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced while we were in western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. Listen to the words of this. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Give up. This is Paul. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts, and we still feel it to this day. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the Lord who raises the dead. He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death, and now we fasten our hope on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again. Give him praise if you hear this, this word. Amen. Powerful, powerful word. He said, I was stretched beyond measure. Now, that word measure is, is, is found several times in Scripture. It's a very interesting um, uh, uh, word. Uh, we studied it some time ago and looked at it, and I want to bring it back. Can, can I do a little teaching? Because this word measure is important. Because he says, we were stretched beyond measure. So what, is, what does that word uh, measure mean? There, there are several measures in Scripture. First of all, there's the measure of your gift. Okay, there's the measure. Ephesians chapter 4 and, and verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So you, all of us here have gifts. Some of you don't know what they are, but you have gifts, spiritual gifts. Not just the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there's the five gifts that Jesus has. There's the, there's the seven gifts that Father God has, so there's three gift lists. But we have gifts, right? Uh, like, like, like these, just a few verses down, he talks about the fivefold ministry. All of us have some kind of gift from the from, but 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 it's measured. All of us have a measure of giftedness. I, I believe most of us probably haven't tapped it all. <laughs> we probably have a lot more there that we're not aware of. But all of us have a certain giftedness, a certain calling. And, and whenever you go outside that, you're, you've gone too far and you're probably going to get in trouble. But sometimes the devil will push you beyond your measure. Listen, as, 
you know, as pastor, God has given me certain abilities. But there have been times that I've said, Lord, this is not, this is above my pay grade. See, I, I, I was called to do certain things, but not this. And sometimes you have to step out of your gifts and ask God to help you because the enemy has pushed you outside of your measure. Does that make sense? And we've probably all been there. Then, number two, there's the measure of the rule. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We, however, will not boast beyond measure. <laughs> but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Okay? For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Watch this now. Verse 15. Not boasting of things beyond that is in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. What, what is he talking about? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Now, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but simply saying, as pastor of this church, God has given me certain authorities. And I can operate within those authorities. I'm what the Scripture calls the set man. The set man in this church. I have authority. But if I go preach in someone else's church, I don't have that same authority. I can't go in there like their pastor. I go in as an evangelist. Or perhaps in an apostolic way, but even in an apostolic way, I still have to submit to that pastor. That pastor might be a young guy, first church, appointed the Sunday before. But it's still his church. He's still the, the set man in that church, and I may know a whole lot of things that he doesn't know. And he may be going down a road called stupid. But I can't really advise him unless he's open to that. I can't tell him. what I can't get in the pulpit and order people around and order his church. It's not my church. It's not my measure. I, I have to know what my measure is. You need to know what your measure is. You need to understand spiritual authority. Who do you answer to? Where do you fit? What is your authority? What is your place? And we need to understand that. And Paul's talking about that. Paul, even Paul says there's areas that I don't have authority in. And I'm not going to step into, into another man's authority. You see, he says, I'm not going beyond the measure of the rule. Okay. So what is Paul talking about in our text? I believe what he's talking about is the measure of faith. The measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. For I say through the, through the grace given to me that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And that means literally what it is that God has given us, all of us, a measure. 
No, remember when it said about Jesus that the Holy Ghost dwelt in him without measure? He had no measure of faith. He had it all. But we have a measure of faith. Now, that's interesting. Sometimes people say, I don't have the faith for that. And you say, oh, yeah, you do. Sometimes you need to understand that God gives different amounts of faith or kinds of faith to different people. But here's what I can assure you. Whatever comes into your life, you have the faith to deal with it. Pretty much. But what Paul is saying here is that we were pushed out of our measure. And I think what he's saying is we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before, and I can't find the faith to deal with it. And this is Paul talking. Paul says, I despaired even of life. We were ready to give up. Now, I don't know if he meant give up the faith or just die. (laughs) But he's saying we're ready to give. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul so pressed that he's ready to just give up? None of us have suffered a tenth, a hundredth. None of us have gone through that. But Paul says, I'm in a place now. And my whole team is in a place now where we've never been before, and we are operating outside our measure of faith. God's expecting us to believe when he didn't really give us the faith to do it. So how do we survive that? Here's the secret. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 31. This is the secret. If you've been sleeping, now's the time to wake up. I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Isn't that what he said back there in our text? We had the sentence of death on us. And and it's kind of a play on words because at first he's saying in the natural we had the sentence of death on us. But we transitioned into the spiritual and we decided, yeah, let's just go ahead and die. Not physically, but I'm going to die to things I want. I'm going to die to to my wants. I'm going to die to my fears. I'm going to die to my anxiety. I'm going to die to my depression. I'm going to die to these things. I'm just, I'm tired. I can't fight it. I can't do it. I'm just going to die. And we mean that in a spiritual sense. Paul says every morning I get up and commit suicide. I die to myself because he is Lord of death. He's the resurrector of death. And you cannot, get this, you cannot experience the power of resurrection until something in you dies. How many know Paul made it? He, he, he found the faith outside his faith. He found faith outside the measure of faith that he was given because he died to it and was re- resurrected anew. And now he's not, he's not operating in his own strength. I'm operating in the strength and power of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Reminds me of John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. How many are okay? How many are following me Okay. I know, you're not going to get this teaching anywhere else. How many are following? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. 
but if it dies, it produces much grain. I mean, if you go dig that thing up, that original seed is gone. It died. And in that dying process, a huge basil plant was. So how would you do that, Pastor? I don't lay hands on it. I don't know. It, he who loves his life will, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, the English here, we lose a lot in English. Three times he uses the word life, but the first two times the word is the Greek word zuke. It's where we get the word psychology or psyche, or physical, all that stuff. So he says, he who loves his natural life will lose it, and he who hates his natural life in this world will keep, he who hates his life will keep it for, and this word is not zuke. That word is zoe. I know sometimes people name their kids it means, it doesn't mean, people say, oh, it means life. Not really. It means eternal life. If you'll give up the temporary, you get the eternal. So if you didn't know Greek, you would, you would miss the, the, the context. And that's why they add the word eternal there to help you a little bit on this. But listen, you've got to, you've got to stop uh, prioritizing your present life here on earth and start prioritizing your spiritual life. Start walking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, believing God in the Spirit, looking in the Spirit realm. And, and, and if you'll just quit worrying about the finances and worrying about your aches and pains and the lumbago, I don't even know what lumbago is. And if you'll just stop worrying about the arthritis and all the stuff in your life and, and, and just start and just die to it. Just say, God, I lay it, I, I nail it to the cross. And that doesn't always mean it goes away. It just means it has no power over you. Once you kill it, it has no power over you. It has no power over you. And now the life, your, your zoe can rise up within you, and that's eternal life that we experience right here and now. You know what I felt like in my spirit? We need to become penguins. Have you ever watched penguins when they're on the land and then when they're in the sea? I didn't know this, but penguins spend 80% of their life in the water. And they spend 20% on the land, but that time is used exclusively for reproduction. I don't know how penguins go about that. <clears throat> But then they nest, they say, especially certain breeds of penguins will mate for life. And they make their nest and they sit on their nest until they're young. But then as soon as they could break, as soon as the, the reproduction thing and raising the family thing's over, they're back out to sea. And then, because when they're on land, they're kind of vulnerable, aren't they? When they're on the land, they got this. It's like, <laughs> I was reading the book about, uh, what's his name, that uh, did the, uh, he wanted to go to the South Pole, 
Shackleton? Shackleton, yes, yes, yes. And, he, and uh, his boat got caught in the ice, and the boat sank, and they had to live on the ice and so on and so forth. But they would just go find these penguins and just club them. They're like, boom. You know, they were pretty vulnerable. Um, so then I, I remember, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. If it comes in my head, that's the Holy Ghost, right? I remember. <laughs> You're like, from past experience, no. So, so I was raised Catholic, and back then the nuns wore the, all the garb, right, habits, the habits, and we would call them penguins because <laughs> they looked like one. And there was, and there were, most of them were pretty old, but one was really old, just bent over, poor thing. And she wasn't teaching anymore. She was, I think she was the cook and the house cleaner. She was real short, really short, like four foot something. And she was kind of bent over. She had all the garb. And she would, and when she walked, she would literally hold her hands. I think back now, I probably need to repent. I probably, probably need to repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sure she's with you now, Jesus. <laughs> but penguins, penguins, in order to survive, in order to do the mission, they have to get to the land and spend time there. But they thrive in the water. They get their nourishment in the water. Everything they eat is in the water. I, we need to live in the water. We need to live in spiritual things, in the spirit world. But then we come ashore to reproduce. In other words, we do need to come into the world. We need to touch the world so we can save the world. We need to, we need to go places we're not comfortable because we need to be a witness. We need to talk to people at work and our family. We, we come ashore so we can reproduce and we can disciple and, and, and get our, listen, we need to get our hands dirty and get in there and make a nest, <laughs> create a church where people can come and, and get saved and their lives are changed and all this stuff. But listen, while you're out there, you're like Paul. Paul says, we were just about ready to give up out there. They were clubbing us to death. You can get away from the nest, you can get away from the dirt, you can get away from the grind and jump into the water. And now they, you ever watch them in the water? They're pretty smooth. They are really smooth, really fast. I mean, it's like that's where I belong. Listen, I, I got a word for some of you because you haven't got there yet. You don't understand this, but you were made to live in the Spirit. You were not made to live in this world. You were made to live in the Spirit realm, and some of you have never even been there. It's an amazing, I mean, it's like riding roller coasters 24 hours a day, but it's an amazing life to walk in the Spirit. What do I mean by that? To have a constant awareness of Him. 
to, to constantly be, have a prayer on your heart, to always have and always say, Pastor, I can't do that. Well, listen, do it for a minute. And after you got the minute down, you'll get five minutes down. And after you get the five minutes down, you'll do it for an hour. And if you just keep practicing the presence of God, hallelujah, eventually you'll be able to get up with a hallelujah. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And all day long, amen, I'm not saying you're tucked away in the prayer closet. I'm saying you're going to work, you're riding the bus, you're at the doctor's, wherever you are, you're walking with Jesus and the angels, and you feel and sense his presence, even in the, though I make my bed in hell, thou art with me, amen. Lose that penguin life. But listen, don't be, don't be like one of these guys that they're, they're so spiritual, they're of no earthly good. If penguins just lived in the sea all the time, they would eventually be extinct because they wouldn't reproduce. Some of you need to come out of your spiritual realm once in a while. Talk like a normal person. Is everyone feeling? Does that help anybody? There has to be that connection that connection that we, that we must have. You know, they, they've, they've done all these studies, I don't know how they do them, on babies. And, and they basically say that babies are born, how do I want to say, some assembly required. <laughs> Their brains are not totally connected. And isn't it amazing when you're, you're feeding the baby, either, you know, mother's milk or a bottle, the way you hold it, and what are you what are you doing while you're? But then at least you're looking at him. So uh, they say there's something about that connection, that eye connection, and they said that the eye the eye is totally connected to the brain, but the brain has not is not to the point where it can make sense of anything. And he says. As you feed that baby and it's looking in your eyes and you're looking in, that eye is picking up signals. That's a smile. That's a frown. That's a tear. That's a laugh. It's bright in here. It's dark in here. It's, she's touching me. I, I embrace, come on, all that stuff. And listen, you just got to imagine this in your brain. It's sending signals to the brain, and then the brain sends signals back to the nerve endings, and, 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 they're, and they're connecting. I mean, physically connecting. Connections are being made all through its little life. Isn't that something? They say if a baby is never touched, fed, kept warm, comfortable, but never touched, it'll die. Because it's the actual touch that, that creates nerve endings. It connects the nervous system. And without it, the baby dies. I thought, I thought all it needed was food and warmth. No, it needs touch. And now it's proven scientifically, and we know how that works. You say, I, you know, I pray once in a while. I pray before the meal, except when I'm in a restaurant. And then I don't want to be embarrassed, so I just drop my hanky. Lord, thank you for this meal. We've got to pray be together, touch each other. And we've got to 
get into the scriptures. And all these things make connections. Oh, I don't need to go to church. I hug trees. Hugging a tree makes no connection. It has to be another human being. You hug enough trees, you might become a tree. I don't know. But hugging trees does not do anything for you spiritually. You need a hug. This is a hugging church. Are you okay with that? Amen. You go to some churches and they're like, hmm, especially since COVID. Mm. We need to, prayer is a way of touching, connecting. Being in the scriptures every day is a way of connecting. Amen. And, by, and what I mean by that is even more connections than you have now. So that you just, you just become more comfortable in the water. And you start thriving in the spirit realm more than in the natural realm. We've been touched enough in the natural realm. And it leads to death. But to be touched in the spirit realm will lead to life. A couple of scriptures. You ready? Isaiah Isaiah 49, 15, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely, even if she forgets, I won't forget. Psalm 27, 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. John 15, 5, we know this. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If we were to boil it down, how do we stay connected? Prayer, the Word, being together. Just remember those three things. And I've got an assignment. How many will do an assignment if I give it to you? Well, I want to hear the assignment first. <laughs> You're all, you all have to go to the jail. and No, 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 no. Here's your assignment. Psalms 120 through 134. Put it in your phone, write it down, scratch it on your arm, whatever you got to do. These are called, it probably will say it in your Bible, the Psalms of Ascent. And what that means is these 15 Psalms were the Psalms that they sang three times every year when they went up to Jerusalem. Uh, I've been to Jerusalem. It's, I mean, you can, you, for a long time, you're driving up, 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 up until you finally get to Jerusalem. And they would walk from all over Israel, later all over the world. And they would, uh, at least once a year, from all over the world, and they would walk up. And they might start out alone. <laughs> but as the journey goes, roads come together. All roads lead to Jerusalem. And as, and as they would come together, the, the groups would become larger and larger. And, they, and somebody would begin to sing one of these songs. And they all knew them. If we heard them today, we'd be bored. It's not our kind of music. It's the Jewish thing. You probably wouldn't like it, but it's the word. And they would begin to sing these. Somebody would just break out and begin to sing. From where does my help come from? And someone would answer, my help cometh from the Lord. I look unto the hills, where does my help come from? 
My help cometh from the Lord. And they would just sing and respond and go back and forth. And, they, and then they would go to another one. And, all, and they would sing these 15 psalms until they finally get to Jerusalem. I want you to read those. I want you to read these. And I want you to think about the pilgrims going to Jerusalem. I want you to think about them going up and coming to, and coming. Listen, they had to travel together because there's bandits on the road. And they would share food and, and tents and shelter and water. And they would go up together, go up together to the house of the Lord.